You're listening to 30 for 30 Plus, presented by the Mini Countrymen. My name is Jody Avergan. This is our place to discuss all things 30 for 30. Sometimes it's a new film, sometimes it's something else. And here we're using it as a chance to talk about our latest season of audio documentaries. So each Tuesday during this season, you'll get a new documentary. And then that following weekend, you'll get a little bonus conversation with some of the producers talking about the bigger themes or behind the scenes stories or the production process. And here to talk about the episode that we ran this past Tuesday, Hoodies Up, our first of the season, which was about the Miami Heat and the photograph they took in response to the death of Trayvon Martin, is Clinton Yates of ESPN's The Undefeated and lots more at the network. Clinton, thanks for doing this. No problem. What's up, man? Uh, You know, not much. I got through this piece, which is great, and I'm really sort of happy that our second season is off to the races. Um, I was going to say, you guys got that off the ground. Exactly. Um, So, you know, usually during this, it's going to be me interviewing one of the producers or reporters, but since I was the producer and reporter on this episode, I can't interview myself, even though that's, I think, probably a dream for everyone in radio. So (laughs) I invited you to, to come along. So, Clinton, this is the official handoff from me as host to you as host, and I will transition to person being interviewed so uh, you can All right. ask, you can ask the first question on our list <laughs> <laughs> okay well first off i just wanted to say uh i really enjoyed it cool. i thought that the voices you got you know because i feel like that's always the thing with these is who are you going to get to talk about them and for those who have listened obviously the primary voices are some pretty big time people this isn't just a matter of coming up with you know an athlete who you know, is no longer playing or what have you. I mean, Gabrielle Union, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade are three of the most famous people on earth. So (laughs) very well done on that. And I think it actually added a lot. So my first question is actually going to be, at what point did you decide this was a story you were going to tackle? This has been on our list from the beginning. I mean, 30 for 30 podcast isn't that old, but kind of from the jump, we um, had had some conversations about this this photograph that the Heat took and just knowing that it was a sort of big moment and does something that I think that 30 for 30s tend to do pretty well, which is like let you tell a big story through a very specific lens. And, you know, you kind of don't get more small in a, in a sort of uh, framing sense than like a photograph taken on Twitter. But obviously the themes are so big and I think obviously so resonant today, five years later. So this was also, you know, it wasn't that it was a short time ago in terms of actual time expanded, but it feels like Trayvon Martin was the beginning of a very specific sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So this is, like you mentioned, kind of a niche story. I mean, it was a while ago in terms of the narrative of every other thing that's happened since then. If you want to get into it and bring in your Freddie Grays and so forth, you know, what evolved over the course of doing this story that made things different when you started to when you finished? I think I recognize we recognized all along that this was a story that potentially was about a sort of opening bracket for athlete activism. And I really wanted to kind of get a sense of taking a big stand like this and I really do think this photo was a big stand you know the thing that was surprising to me is as a reporter I was going into it and thinking well okay maybe we'll find some conflict some real like disagreement about whether to take this stand and over the course of the reporting I kind of came to realize no there wasn't this was a very natural act for LeBron James and the team and the heat to just um, take the stand in response to the death of you know a young black man and in a way, I actually think that the fact that it wasn't a 
quote, hard decision for them, I think shows why they took it. Something about the culture and our political conversation and their sort of like place in our society had reached a point where it kind of felt like a natural act. Why did you assume that it was going to be a tough decision? You know what I mean? You've reported on a lot of different things and I'm wondering what you learned sort of about yourself. Never mind what you learned about the story in that regard. Why did I assume it was a tough decision? I don't know. That's a tough question. I mean, well, one, as a reporter, to be perfectly honest, like conflict and tension is always good and so you know there's a small part of my brain that was just saying like oh maybe there was a big hard conversation in the locker room or maybe one member of this team didn't want to do it and they had to really talk for a long time to do it um i guess i just found this photo to be incredibly moving and when i first saw it i sort of in retrospect do believe it was a big moment and there's just part of me that thinks that when people take big stands like that those are tough decisions. But I also think there's a reminder that no matter what you do when you're LeBron James, it's a big deal. Right. One of the relationships that's talked about is obviously that between Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. I know that our boys in the same situation, it could have turned out exactly the same. She understood the platform that we had. I just implored my husband to, um, to take action and to talk to Braun to talk to Chris Bosch. Gabrielle basically asked him to do it, and it ended up coming to fruition sort of later at a time when apparently she didn't even necessarily, you know, she wasn't, it wasn't like she said, go do this, and he woke up the next morning right. and talked to LeBron. There was an element of development in terms of the guys. And I guess, when you know, when, I'm wondering, when you talk to LeBron, you know, what took them so long to make this decision, in your opinion? You know what I mean? How did it, yeah. how did it go? Why did it take that long in order to actually enact something? I think we got a good sense of the, of the TikTok, you know, and I think probably part of the reason that it maybe took a while is just, as is often the case in life, just like logistic. They're traveling. They have a day off. They want to make sure they can have a team meeting with everyone together. Uh, and so, you know, that just happened to be when they were even on the road. They were in Detroit when they took this. But I think also what you're asking gets at another element here, which is that the moment that they took the photo is really important to see that in the larger context of the larger movement around Trayvon Martin. So much of what I was trying to figure out over the course of reporting here was, well, was this photo a stand that was out in front of the movement or was the photo a reaction to a movement that was already kind of going and swelling? And I think the answer is both, that all of these things are sort of happening at the same time and they reach a critical mass on a bunch of different levels. So, you know, the day that they took the photo was also the day that President Obama was asked about it at a press conference. So in some way, the president speaking is a bigger story maybe than, you know, than some NBA players taking a photo, but they're all part of the sort of same mix. And obviously the family being the, the main drivers of this story and being on television and at protests. And then, of course, you know, people getting out into the streets. So it all kind of happens together and it's important to sort of realize that context that it happened just at the right time because of all these other factors that are hard to totally tease apart so you're an exclusive club now people i presume who have lebron james's phone number what was <laughs> what was it like getting to him I, I mean he's I, no small dude i have the phone number of a person who has the phone number i think of the person who has a phone number for lebron james <laughs> but um uh you know it took this might be a little inside baseball it took about six eight months to get to lebron hmm. uh, i got the call like two days before saying hey we're ready to do this can how soon can you get to cleveland and i said you know tomorrow uh and then i think it ended up being one day later i flew to cleveland in the morning i took a cab to the Cavs training facility i sat in a room for an hour and a half and then a door opened and lebron came like literally 
jogging in. They were practicing in the room next door, and he just sat down. Dirty project that we're doing. Um, so I'll start by asking you to say my name is and, uh, and identify yourself for us. Uh, my name is LeBron James. And uh, who are you? What do you do? Professional basketball player, father, husband, son, friend, philanthropist, all that. <laughs> and I think one of the sort of interesting elements was his ability to kind of just switch focus. You know, he was in one room practicing, getting ready for a series against the Raptors, I think. And then a minute later, he's sort of talking to me for 11 minutes. And I think he was able to give his full attention to this to this interview, but it was 11 minutes. And then the, his like handler was like pointing at the clock, pointing at his watch and was like, all right, let's wrap this up. I asked, the, I snuck in like a couple more questions and then he, um, he went back to practice. I guess I went back to the airport and I flew back to New York. Yeah. I mean, beyond being good at basketball, LeBron is good at adulting, which is just awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> you know, there's always elements of any documentary that don't make mm -hmm. the final for editorial reasons or for time reasons or whatever they may be. What were some of the things that didn't make the final cut for this particular episode? So, I mean, there's one piece of tape from Tracy Martin, which I won't play here, but you know, where he sort of talks about his relationship with his son Trayvon where he calls him he says he was his best friend and he says you know not every parent has that relationship with their kid and I just found that incredibly moving and it was you know one of these things where it didn't fit into the sort of TikTok narrative of the piece we were making and it's just like hmm. sometimes you often need to cut like really amazing tape just in the service of hopefully you know making a more compelling story there was an entire and this is you know i will play a little bit of this there was an entire section of this piece which we ended up cutting for a bunch of reasons about kobe bryant um so there's this writer for the new yorker named ben mcgrath who wrote a profile of kobe bryant in which he asked him about this photo that the heat took and said you know would you ever take that stand and i came across this and i said you know it might be interesting to go talk to ben mcgrath this new yorker writer a lot of reporters record their interviews maybe he has the actual right. tape of kobe saying this and it turns out he did and ben mcgrath is a very thoughtful person so i did a whole interview with ben mcgrath and he gave us the rights to use the tape and we cut it together and it just didn't fit for structural reasons which i can get into but i i, I feel like we could just play a, a minute of that to sort of get a sense of of how kobe figures into this let's story. hear it and i have in my mind that that i'm tracing this kind of torch passing from michael jordan on the on the one hand to kobe bryant now nearing his end to lebron james who I'm not writing about, but who kind of looms in the background of, of the piece. Like LeBron, the Heat did the Trayvon, the, the hoodies. When I brought up the Twitter photo of, of the Heat posing the hoodies, I specifically said, is that the kind of thing you could see yourself doing? And he said, you know, he sort of paused and he said, well, smartly. I won't, I won't react to something just because it's... Um, but then he said, you know, I won't react to something just because I'm supposed to. It was almost sort of a defiant kind of like, you know, there's a sense of what he's saying, look, I won't, just because I'm, you think I'm, because I'm here, I'm sitting in front of you and I'm black, you, you're expecting me to say, you know, I, I really love what they, what they did. I'm not going to do that. That argument doesn't make any sense to me. Talk about how far we progressed as a society. Well, if we progressed as a society, then you don't jump somebody's defense just because they're African-American. It seemed obvious to me that, that, that this was among the quotes that we really, really wanted to find a way to include in the piece. And it generated a lot of blowback. 
So that's the the, the Kobe hmm. section. I don't know. Do you have any reactions to hearing that Kobe tape? That yeah, I mean that's pretty standard Kobe. If I'm being <laughs> honest, simply yeah. because Kobe doesn't love jumping into movements that he doesn't start mm-hmm. um, most primarily. So there's an element of that. But I do wonder if look, Kobe's retired now. You know, and this was a very different Kobe at the end of his career than we had seen even at the beginning of his career. You know what I'm saying? Like he who he is now is a totally different thing than who he started off as. And I, I, I am this is sort of an aside here, but I'm very interested to know what Kobe is going to be like post NBA in terms of this exact element yeah. of his personality. You know what I'm saying? Like, is he going to be taking political stances? Well, as it happens, while we were reporting this out, I think it was just a few weeks ago, Kobe was asked whether he would kneel at NBA games uh, during the national anthem. And he said he would. Now, you know, yeah. there's a lot going on there. It's a safe thing to say when you're no longer in the league, I guess. But I also think indicates to your point that Kobe maybe has evolved, but moreover, and this was kind of the point we were trying to make with the Ben McGrath section of this piece that ended up being cut, is that the window for stepping out and take and taking a stand has shifted. Yeah. And like Kobe, in a way, marks the line over which that window has moved. Mm. Uh, mm. And I think that's really interesting. I think that's kind of one of the bigger themes of this piece is that change doesn't happen instantaneously. It's just about nudging the norms a little bit by a little bit, nudging that window of what is acceptable as a sort of political act for athletes. Uh, and it, you know, is clearly nudged over the last five years. All right. Last thing I'll ask you, what do you think the most interesting part of this thing is? Sell it. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, hearing the TikTok. I like that Gabrielle Union was such a big part of this. I mean, I think, you know, it gives you a sense of the fact that these are our real human beings who have spouses and kids and think about this stuff and talk to each other. There's one sort of really as an aside moment in this piece where they're talking about how it all came together. And Dwayne says, uh, LeBron and I were on the phone and we talked about it. Me and LeBron was on the phone. We talked. And for some reason, I just love the notion that Dwayne Wade and LeBron James just like have phone calls. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I don't have phone calls with my friends. uh, And I just love that one little throwaway line being a giveaway into kind of like the relationship between these two superstars. All right, man. Well, I, I really enjoyed it. Look, and I think, I think there's a side element to it of how famous people communicate with mm-hmm. each other. That's something we didn't even touch on, but it's very much an important part of this. Sometimes star power matters, and that's yeah. very much what comes across in this story. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. And uh, I will I will go back into the host role to, to, to end this thing. But Clinton, Clinton Yates from The Undefeated, thanks a lot. It's always really fun to talk to you. Radio Inception, anytime. <laughs> That's it for 30 for 30 Plus. We'll be back on Tuesday with a new documentary. There is lots more at 30for30podcast.com. Thanks again for listening.